Making Media Tells a Story of Our Media Business Colossus. If you aren't familiar with our platform, make sure to check out joincolossus.com. There you'll find our latest episodes across each of our shows, the transcripts, supporting third-party materials, and even some written content as well. So whether you're an investor or an operator, we're out to create the content that we wish we had when we were in those exact roles. Invest like the best, business breakdowns, Web3 breakdowns, and founders each cover different angles of the ecosystem. And our special series like 50X and Return on India are targeting niche topics. Again, make sure to check out joincolossus.com for more on the platform. Let's do this. Welcome to Making Media. Humans are in an eternal quest for convenience. Save me time, make my life easier. My gosh, that was such a good start to an interview. All right, Tom, we are back. It is 2024. It is a new year. We are going to talk about some of the stuff we got going on into the new year. But we want to reflect on 2023. This was your idea. I think it is a great reflection exercise to be doing. Many people are doing it. And it's a good chance to look back at what we did. Some of the early stuff, which is so easy to forget about. Some of the more recent stuff. I actually wanted to, and I sprung this upon you, start at the highest of levels, the macro level, the podcast industry level, and just talk about some of the data points going into the year. December downloads for the largest publishers in the industry, the top 20 publishers in the industry. Downloads are down 24% year over year. Wow. A lot of that is coming from Apple and the iOS 17 changes. So do you want to explain iOS 17 for, for people like me? It basically changed the auto download function. And a lot of episodes that were previously auto downloaded are no longer auto downloaded. So that's why you see a significant drop. But you can assume that there were lower numbers to begin with. How much is actually related to that is up for debate. But still, it's a stark number. Before you carry on, this goes so much into just how much download numbers, total nonsense. We've known for a while that certain platforms like Apple, you just have downloads baked in because people might have hit subscribe four years ago. They had never unticked subscribe and so they've just downloaded 400 episodes of a particular podcast that's just kept on going and that's counted as a download despite that person never having listened to it and only realizing when their phone tells them they're out of storage and then they see which part of storage <laughs> is taking up so much room and it happens to be the podcast app that they haven't opened for five years. We talked about this through the year as well with a few different people about one download does not equal another download. Those two things can be very different. I just want to get that in there. You're speaking to the choir. I assume that you were the one who pushed this change on Apple, and therefore we are cleaning up the industry as we see that. But... Yeah, well, I've been emailing them every day. <laughs> on top of that, you had advertising rates for the industry drop by what seems like about 10% from $25 CPM to about 22 That was according to Lisbon. So that's noteworthy too. That's on a like-for-like basis, regardless of how you think about downloads. And then new shows, new RSS feeds hit a five-year low last year. So there were just north of 200,000. So there's a lot of these graphs and they're all going down and to the right. (laughs) It doesn't look so good. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know what you have to say about that. You're operating in this industry where a lot of things are going down. How would you think about that? I like to explain it with interest rates. The era of free money is over and podcasting is going through a downturn. Honestly, I don't have many smart things to say in response to this. 
other than it's probably not all that it seems. Like if you look at the graph, like you just said, probably not a great thing. But I think under the surface, things are just fine. We saw a number of people, the, the classic thing of podcasts are really easy to launch, very hard to maintain, even harder to scale, I think will always be true. And that's probably what's been reflected in the numbers. The advertising thing, I think is slightly different, I think probably is related to interest rates. And we experienced it in our own business. We found last year harder with certain shows than the year before. And I'm sure at some point that will come back. I like to believe that most things are cyclical. I'm sure that will be cyclical. But they're my very dumb reflections. As someone who spent a little bit more time with those numbers, what do you make of it all? No, I think it just brings me back to investing. And one of the best books that you can possibly read on investing is Capital Returns by the Marathon Asset Management Team. And they talk about investing through the capital cycle. And when you typically want to invest in industries is when supply is shrinking. So this and all of those numbers that I just mentioned are actually typically when there's the most opportunity in these types of industries. So that is why we are firmly putting our stake in the ground. And honestly, I think there's just going to be more focus on who is in the audience going forward, who your listeners are, the high trust form of the media. But it's interesting. I love that layout for yourself. <laughs> what setting that up yeah you did that very well and actually i think that's a great point i also think spotify for me has always been a really good barometer for the overall industry you just see the press announcements from them as to what they're doing with the podcasting business and it tends to be reflected in the industry i guess there's no great surprise with that connection but you saw them reduce a bunch of their shows that they had launched and you see them focusing on the more profitable ones and the ones where the creators have been around for longer I think that ties into the numbers that you just mentioned. Yeah, the power law is definitely still in play in terms of those that have succeeded and firmly being planted in the ground. And I think most new entrants are coming in with unique approaches, whether it's combining with video or doing something completely different. It's as interesting of a time as any. And honestly, I almost prefer when things are like this versus just hotcakes, because I think a lot of silly ideas get thrown around as being the right things to do. And you have to do your best to avoid them. So that was the macro. Now let's talk a little bit about the micro. I'll pass it to you in terms of how you want to start this reflection process. Yeah, our very own podcast that was launched in that 200,000 and is still going. I don't know what the stats on the numbers that launched and are still going. Do you have that? I don't have that handy, but yeah, I'll get IT on that. Yeah, if we could. So yeah, I wanted to go through the last year. and We launched on January the 30th, if you remember. And so we haven't actually been going a full year, but given that it's the beginning-ish of January 2024, and I'm sure we'll have a few people saying, how are you doing a review in the second week of January? Reviews should be strictly in the first week of January. To those people, I apologize. But anyway, I want to go through a few questions relating to our own podcast. And the first one is, how would you grade making media? in 2023, his first year of existence. And I want to use the same system that we use for all our shows. So every Friday at 2pm, my time, 9am Eastern, Slack does an auto poll saying out of five, how would you grade this week's episodes across all of the shows that we produce? So I want to put in place the same grading system, one being not very proud, five being extremely proud. How proud are you of making media? Uh, I give it a four. I think it was a roaring success based on how I measure it and my own pride. <laughs> I think the lack of giving it a five comes from just a number standpoint. Theoretically, we could have pushed and made it bigger. But that said, in terms of the feedback connectivity that it's allowed for, connections, some of the discussions that we've had, some of the follow-up discussions that we've had, the relationship that have been built, it's been a roaring success for me. 
yeah, we're not biased at all. I gave it a four as well. To make it unbiased, I'd like anyone to send in their opinions out of five. But yeah, for similar reasons, I couldn't give it a five. It's not a huge podcast yet. It will be one day. But when I think about what we set out to achieve, learning about media, yes. Meeting great people, yes. Sharing our story of Colossus. I think we've done an okay job on that. I think we could have maybe done better. Something to work on and share great content for the content junkies out there. I think we've done an okay job there. But four out of five for me, I thoroughly enjoyed producing this show on a weekly basis. We're over 50 episodes. So we've done, we're actually on par for more than an episode a week when we will reach one year anniversary, which I think is pretty good going. How did that happen? Well, I think we did a couple of weeks with two. That's generally how it happens. <laughs> yeah, but I'm trying to remember which weeks those were. <laughs> I think we did a few Inside Colossus episodes along with an interview with a star guest. So that's how we got to over one a week run rate. That makes sense. Yeah, your point on sharing more about the business. I would say one of the things that I'm a little bit weary on, even though 450 million people told me this already, is the transparency thing is a little bit tough to balance. That is one thing that's on my mind is how transparent can you actually be? And I think it's a disservice to the world. You can't be more transparent, but sometimes it can come back to bite you. So that's one thing I would mention. We try to be as transparent as possible, but there are certain limitations that come into play. Yeah, we pick our spots on the risk return graph. Right. Do you know the answer to this question? What were our most popular episodes? Looking for the podium places, one, two, and three. Neil from No Laying Up being number one. Yeah, correct. Morgan Housel being number two. Yep. And mm, hmm. <laughs> we had another person that 48 other people. Yeah. Oh, man. Jeopardy music. <laughs> We're going to need something. It's a very long pause. I forget. Who number three is? You're not going to give me any name. Well, if I remember their name, I would say it. So I'm not <laughs> going to give you a name. <laughs> All right. So, but yeah, your misery is Matt Levine. Yes. That's who I was. So, no laying up, Morgan Housel, Matt Levine. Bonus question Who booked those three guests? <laughs> I don't know. The booker <laughs> for the show. <laughs> for those out there, that was me. All right. Moving on. Next question. What was your most underrated episode obviously i don't have any data for our listeners but your own feeling on the episodes we've done which one do you think should have gotten a bit more love when we sent out honestly i think and this is just natural because it was at the beginning of the show but some of the episodes that stand out to me are the early ones and i think spike eskin what he talked about from a sports radio side of things actually has so many implications for just what we do. And I think there's so many different places that you can apply it. So his episode, I think, has a lot of very applicable lessons and just frameworks for thinking about this stuff. Addy Ignatius from Harvard, I think, was also a really good look at what's happening inside that organization. And then Hitton Samtani, actually, I think he had some really interesting stories about the beginning of doing what he was doing and just his side of things and how they approach work. So those were the three names. I think Spike stands out to me the most when you mention it. So that I think from a lesson standpoint is probably one of the richest without being as well known or, or talked about as frequently. Yeah, I think that's so true. Hitton, I think, gets my award for best storyteller of the year. 
and Spike I had as well for most underrated. I had two people, but he was definitely one of them. I think if, if anyone ever asked, what do I need to know about podcasting from a creation standpoint, and particularly if you have more than one host, then that episode is phenomenal. And I like to think I have no clue whether there is any connection here, but Spike appeared on Ben Thompson's Stratechery podcast a few months ago. I like to think that there's some connective tissue between him coming on our podcast at the beginning of the year and ending up with Ben at the end of the year. And if there is, I'll be very proud of us. Well, I know someone who works with Ben who listened to the episode and commented publicly and praised it. So potentially, that's what you're saying. Unclear. Yeah, potentially. Yes. The other one I had was Kevin Espiritu. Oh, yes. Good answer. I came across Kevin this year, and I've spoken to him a few times since the beginning of the year, or last year. He's excellent. And I think our conversation with him, the stories he tells, and the way he's gone about building that business is so impressive. I think that's the episode I recommend to most other media operators. If you're running a media business and are curious about the business in general, he is 100% someone you should follow. I put him in the Craig Fuller bucket of just excellent operators. I was talking to him yesterday, actually, Kevin. There you go. He said we give him way too much praise. But <laughs> I don't think that's the case, actually. It's not misplaced. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. Those are good picks. Kevin's definitely one. It's funny. I was going to say I would put him in the same category as Craig. And I think one thing that probably limits how many people have actually listened to them is what they cover. So like covering freight and covering gardening is not as mass market. And I think that stops a lot of people from learning about what they're doing. And honestly, that's one of the best places that you can find new and differentiated information is go into these niches and see how people have done it. And if you did that 10 plus years ago with Ben Clymer at Hodinkee, you would have done well as well. Oh, God, there's some good people there. And also, maybe this wasn't the question I was going to ask you, but you got really excited there. I think there's something about these people. You know, when you come across someone that you haven't heard of previously, and then you just dive headfirst into what they do and how they do it, and you come out, well, like, wow, that person is so impressive. I just love the fact that there are on the planet right now exist millions of people doing incredible work that you've never heard of before. Yeah, you're never going to get through a big percentage of those people in terms of learning about them. But I just think that's an extremely cool thought. The other thing I want to say is, and this wasn't going to be a question I was going to ask, but probably my proudest achievement this year is getting you to say niches, not niches. So I'm very impressed with myself there. I've always said niche. I like to take the credit. Well, no, it's, <laughs> you can't take credit for that one. I won't allow it. I've always been a niche guy. Okay, well, that's sad, but I'm pleased that you say niche. That's why we can work together. Right, next question before this descends into something else. What was your most memorable recording that we had? A bit of behind the scenes action. So I took the liberty of inviting some people that maybe I stretched the idea of what making media was to get them on the show. But my most memorable and enjoyable was with the author, David Coggins, which was just an enjoyable, pleasurable conversation. And he's somebody that I would like to grab a beer with. That I think would fit this a little bit. And I was very pleased with that conversation. And I think it turned out nicely. That one stands out. And then there were a few humorous experiences that I can't forget. Todd McFarlane being one of them. We were just talking about this before. <laughs> Him being able to go for two plus hours without any relent. By the end of that, I hadn't eaten anything. So I was exhausted. You were exhausted. And here's Todd, who's probably 30 years our senior, just ready to run through a brick wall, which was a lesson in and of itself. That one stands out to me. How about from you? It was like seven in the morning as well. 
we got them up. He looked like he'd been up for a few hours. If you got me up at seven to do a recording, I would have been failing by about five minutes past seven. Actually, I probably would have taken a while to get up to speed. And then you'd have five good minutes in the middle of it. And then either side would be junk. So yeah, I would agree with that one. We also had, I won't name who this guest was, but we had a very amusing experience where one of our guests, I don't know how or where, but they were sitting on something that just kept falling over. And their whole recording system, the mic themselves, just kept toppling over midway through the recording, at least a few times. The conversation is excellent, I think so anyway. But just the whole behind the scenes was so amazing and not something I'll ever forget. Yes, the idea that nobody knew that this person was basically rolling around uh, on their back, <laughs> laying down on their belly, sitting backwards, leaning forwards, rolling around, foot was falling asleep. There was a lot of activity. You would never know. That's the beauty of podcasting that is not talked about is there could be a lot going on in that room. You would never know. That cutting room floor has got some gold on it. <laughs> I honestly would never forget that. And it's a person that I very much like and thought that was such a good conversation. Okay, next one. Your dream guest for this year, who do you want on the show? I think Bill Simmons is still somebody I would love to talk to. He's still on my list. And the more I listen to him, I'm not sure that I would actually be able to get a ton out of him. <laughs> but that said, he would still be atop the list. Yeah, good one. I've got Jimmy Chin. He's going to be a perennial. My confidence at the beginning of the year of getting him on was much higher than it is now. I'm less confident, but he's still definitely at the top of the board. And Erica Nardini, also someone who... And she gave us a head fake middle of the year. She said she'd come on, and then we haven't heard back. So we're playing the long game there. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a few touch points on both sides, and none of them have come through. But you always need that thing to be striving for. So I'm not too concerned about that. If you stretch it out a little bit more, is there anybody else? Because you already named those people, so it's not fresh content. So it's boring to just hear the same people over and over again. Unless it's going to turn into the the Oprah, David Letterman thing. <laughs> I think you might have mentioned Bill Simmons. Or Oprah would be good. Well, yeah, she would. <laughs> so with Letterman. So maybe that's our fresh people. Most of these people I've mentioned, that's why I want them on the show. You want someone I've never mentioned before. Ted from Netflix, that would have been a good one. Yeah, that would be an excellent one. Alex Cooper, I mentioned her before, but she's got an open invite to come on the show. That's my most memorable thing is in the beginning of the year, you used to talk about the daddy gang <laughs> at least once an episode. And I wanted to do a clip with all of your references to the daddy gang, but never put that together. I wonder why I stopped saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got on to me. Some casual bullying in the workplace happening here. We lost the daddy gang, but we also lost the CJs, which you were trying to implement for a while as well. For those who didn't know, content junkies. We haven't lost them, to be clear. I feel like that's lost steam as well, your campaign to launch the CJs into something like the Daddy Gang. Oh, no, no. They're firmly in existence. We just no longer need to advertise for placements in the group because it's so firmly established. So that's all. Got it. You've got your five true fans, part of the CJs over there. Second to last question. What was the hardest conversation to prep for? Oh, and I can go first, just so you have some time to think about it. Yeah, you should. I think probably for me, it was the conversation with Joanna Robinson on the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because I have very little context in this world. I did read a big portion of her book. She's so in-depth and good on this stuff. I just felt like every time I asked a question, I was thinking this must be such a stupid question to ask. So I found that one particularly difficult. I was very glad to have you as my ally on that call. I will say if we could go back to most memorable moments, I wish I had a montage of 
episodes where I knew you didn't know that much about the <laughs> person or the subject and I roped you into it. Your navigating of that. I feel like there was one specific episode or question in the episode where it was <laughs> funny miscalculation on your part. But I know exactly what you're talking about as well. What was it? It was when I called Brian Curtis's co-host, Dan. <laughs> and he's actually David. Is that what you're thinking about? <laughs> I don't even know if that's what I was thinking about, but... Oh, there's more. That was a good one, yeah. God, that's yeah. embarrassing. In terms of most difficult, I, there's nothing that truly stands out. I think Matt Levine was probably the one that I had the most nerves going into, mostly just because I thought there was a really good conversation there and I wanted to make sure that it came out. So I didn't want to screw that one up. Beyond that, nothing stands out too much. I guess the Marvel episode I wanted to make really good too. So that would be another one. And you knew you couldn't rely on me. Well, I read the book and I was very hyped <laughs> up about it. So you actually got that recording too. So props to you for that. Thank you. The only other thing I want to mention just memorable wise, and this still blows my mind to this day whenever I go and look at the chart, the chart of retention for our conversation with Neil and No Laying Up is truly like no other chart I've ever seen in the podcasting world. If you look at most charts in terms of the retention, you can see this on Spotify. They show you how many people, like what percentage of your listeners that start the episode, finish it and where they drop off throughout the course of the conversation. I think the episode is like 90 minutes long and it basically is a flat line at 95%. No chart I've seen of any other podcast looks remotely similar. There are very good retention rates, but then there's that. And I still have no idea what's going on other than their audience is phenomenal which is also amazing given how broad you could say golf fans come from all walks of life. Yeah, no, I agree. Everything about that episode is honestly wild. In terms of prep, that was probably the easiest one I had to prep for just because I knew so much about their story. Fun just to go through, hear all the questions I've built out over many years of listening to you guys talk, which then makes you reflect on conversations where you have less experience with the person and their material. And you think, oh, I bet there was a really good conversation to be had there. I think I did a decent job, but I'm sure I left so much on the table. I mean, when I compare it to business breakdowns, there's no comparison. The amount of prep that's required for that versus this is a totally different stratosphere because you have so much more flexibility. But in some ways, it's easier. No. Because you know no. <laughs> what you're trying to get to. I think that's no. true. You need to understand what you need to talk about about the business. You have such little breathing room. You can go into these conversations. You have ultimate flexibility. You can talk about a million different things with them. With business breakdowns, you have to legitimately just talk about the business. So it's much less flexible. I like the constraint. Here is, to use an expression, your sandbox operate within these boundaries. Whereas with the flexibility of a show like Making Media, it's sometimes harder to know where to start. We have spent a lot of time talking about where should we start this conversation? Partly because there are so many areas you could start. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I think they're totally different realms of prep requirement, but everybody's entitled to their own opinion, even if it's wrong. Matt's face has gone stony cold over there. I'm going to move on to my final question. What was your favorite moment from Colossus this year? So not necessarily just specific to making media, although the answer could be making media related. When you think back in your rocking chair in 15 to 20 years time about your early-ish days with Colossus 2023, what will you think about most fondly? I mean, my favorite part of this year was having that poll in the Slack <laughs> because there's something about when it hits at 9 a.m. on a Friday morning here and it just stares you in the face. 
how proud are you of this week? And you're waiting for somebody to vote. Usually, you're the first person, sometimes Patrick every once in a while, sometimes me. And then you add your comments in, you see where you agree or differ. Something about that exercise always brings a smile to my face in a funny way. Some weeks are bad, some weeks are awesome. And then it does play into some of my favorite weeks, thinking about the week we had Einhorn and Chanos and the NBA breakdown was a really awesome week. With Ad Ignatius in there as well. Same week. Yep. One of the most underrated episodes of the year, according to critics. <laughs> and I think that stands out for me personally. No, I think that's a good one. We also need to get Joe to build. I want a graph and I want some easy way of looking at the comments. I want to see whether there is any trend. I don't think there's a trend to our comments, I think. Proud of the week? Yeah, I think on the whole, we're normally reasonably proud of the work we've done. But I wouldn't say there are certain times of the year where we're higher than others in terms of proudness. But I would like to see it in a graph. Yeah, I don't know. We'll talk to Joe about that. (laughs) (laughs) Give me your memory that stands out. When I was thinking about this, perhaps oddly, given that I spent all of my time by myself working on this business, or maybe that's not oddly, my most memorable occasions are when we were together. Particularly, there's one memory when we got together at the end of November, where we were just sat by the fire at the end of the day, having a drink and just talking about our lives. I think that will stick with me for a long time with Joanna and Joe just catching up on random stuff. Night one or night two? Night two, I think. Yeah. Just had a nice bolognese out on the somewhere, wherever we were. I survived a bear attack earlier in the day. And I think maybe that just loosened everyone up a bit. Yeah, that's a great memory. The other one is, I think, and this year, more than previous ones, I developed maybe more relationships with our guests across the shows, particularly business breakdown guests. And the two I think about most are people that I also met at Capital Camp, either before or after recording with them. But there is something very cool about that community, if you like, or just building relationships with these people who come on our shows and offer up their wisdom for our audience, which I always think is a very selfless thing to do. I know there is benefit to them, but they don't have to. It takes a lot of time out of their life generally. So I think it's very cool when those relationships go beyond the recording. Yeah, I agree. Last year was the biggest version of that for me as well. And I tried to be a little bit more active myself doing it. And it played out really well. And I think to me, it's just more about seeing the actual people that are in the audience rather than looking at the numbers. And last year was an example of bringing that to life. So it was good in that regard. And I'm glad to hear that you were doing it too. Totally. All right. That's all my questions. Do you have any? No, my question was at the beginning of the episode. It was just (laughs) riling it up. I guess the only other thing I would ask is, do you think there's any formats that we could do or haven't done that would be beneficial? And when you think through the formats that we've done over the course of the year, do you find any of them to be particularly good or bad? That's a great question. I know. That's why I asked it. Yep. Yeah. Well, (laughs) so firstly, I have loved breaking the format of just interviewing people. I really enjoy learning from our guests, but I think back to the episode we did with Packy, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. Not necessarily from a listener's perspective, but from doing, I really enjoyed doing it. It got a ton of listeners too. Oh yeah. But I don't speak for other people. From a personal standpoint, I really enjoyed it. And the ones we've done with Webb, similarly enjoyed. There is one format that I would love to do, and I've talked to you about it, and you said, yeah, let's try that. And then I did nothing about it after, is I would love to, to get a guest on, but we're not going to talk about their business at all directly or what they're doing directly. I just want to get someone on 
and beforehand say, we're going to talk to you about your favorite piece of media ever. And it can be anything, but it has to be a piece of media. And then we're just going to talk about it for half an hour, an hour, however long. And I'm sure we can drag stories out of them in terms of what they're doing and what they're up to and how they think about life. But I think that would be such a neat encapsulation of what making media and what we're trying to do is. And I think we would lead to a really cool discussion with lots of different people. And as I was thinking about the idea of getting very excited about the types of people that you could bring on and just talk to them about their favorite movie or book, etc., so that's something I want to do this year, not something I've done yet. I think partly because it's a bit embarrassing. Like imagine emailing someone very accomplished and say, I want to bring you onto my show, but I want to talk to you about your favorite piece of media. I don't know. It feels like underselling them to some extent. Needs to come up with a better pitch. I don't know. I think a lot of people would enjoy doing that. I mean, if you look around at micro versions of that, people want to go on the rewatchables. They're always getting directors or actors to go on that show and people are really itching to do it and they're very accomplished people but the starting point is hard once you've got it rolling and you have a few examples to point to and say this is what i mean like we've had a few times when we've emailed people and said hey we want to do this with you and they came back and said i just don't think that would be very interesting matt levine's a great example of this we said to him i want to take a piece you've written that you found particularly memorable and i want to dissect it like we did with omanic and like we did with morgan housel and he just came back and said i'm really happy to come on the show but i don't think that would be particularly interesting partly because i don't remember anything that i've written <laughs> because i'm doing it on a daily basis which it was just like great but i fear a similar reaction potentially with this format well you can't live life in fear is all i would say <laughs> So you just got to find one person. Maybe that's the way you get Jimmy Chin on. Well, given that there are two hosts for this show, you can send a few emails as well. Actually, that's a great recommendation because that might be the way that I could get Bill Simmons to come on. There we go. I know of a few books that he particularly likes, and maybe that is the ticket. This could be perfect. Yeah, I like it. Calling your shot. Starting 2K24 strong. Love that. (laughs) Awesome. That was all I had unless you had anything else to add. Me too. No, don't waste any more time for anyone else. So thank you for doing this with me. Appreciate your answers. Appreciate all your work over the past year. Let's hope you can get a few guests on the leaderboard for 2024. Russell Cook 2024. Here we go.